PhD at UT Austin Computer Science Department. Uh, he's doing a special wireless network now. The network is for controlling things rather than like Wi-Fi, that for transporting data stuff. So they can, uh, they, they, they're interested for, say, controlling a robot, a robotic remotely using this special wireless network. And now uh, let's hear what the details from Zoom. Okay. Uh, I leave this here, right? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Song Han. I'm from the University of uh, Texas uh, at Austin. Uh, it's my great pleasure to be here to present our work. Uh, my talk today is about the networking infrastructure and the data management for subwoofing systems. So here is the outline of my talk. Uh, I will first have an introduction to subwoofing system. I will talk about what is subwoofing system, what's the difference between subwoofing system and the other computing systems. Uh, then I will talk about uh, how to achieve the reliable and real-time service in CPS. Uh, I will describe the wireless real-time communication protocol we designed and developed with other companies, which now is uh, 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 commercially uh, in, uh, international uh, center for the wireless sensor and the actuator networks. Uh, I will describe the network management techniques we developed for this kind of network, how to organize the sensors and the actuators together to achieve the reliable and real-time service. Uh, then I will talk about how to interconnect uh, different uh, CPS subsystems together, uh, which have a different uh, heterogeneous uh, data link uh, technologies together. Uh, based on this uh, proposed uh, network infrastructure, uh, I will describe uh, the uh, data quality maintenance uh, mechanism we proposed for CPS to maintain the data quality and the control quality uh, in the CPS. So uh, uh, sub system now is a very hot uh, topic in the United States. Uh, they have a lot of fundings there. Uh, according to the definition uh, from NSF, the CPS is a system featuring a tight combination of and a coordination between the system's uh, computational and uh, physical elements. So uh, one typical example of uh, the CPS is uh, the uh, intelligent air power management system to emerge in the near future. So from this picture, you can see that uh, in this kind of system, it consists of different uh, subsystems. For example, we have the uh, intelligent vehicle network, and we have uh, the uh, intelligent uh, air traffic control system, and we have uh, a large number of sensors and actuators that are deployed in both the indoor environment for the smart house and uh, the uh, sensors and actuators to deploy in the outdoor environment for different kinds of monitoring and uh, 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 control uh, applications. And also in this kind of system, we have uh, many robots. Uh, they could be autonomous or semi-autonomous uh, deployed in the airport. So the human operator, they can control to this robot to carry on the workload uh, intensive uh, tasks for the human being. For example, we can let the robot to, to carry those kind of luggages for the passenger. Uh, so a common feature for this kind of uh, CPS is uh, you can see that uh, it's connected by connecting different kinds of uh, CPS subsystem. And for each uh, CPS subsystem, uh, there are sensors and uh, actuation network. And also this uh, subsystem, the, normally they are distributed and uh, possibly over a wild area and are connected by a network. And also, in, on top of uh, this uh, uh, infrastructure, we have to support a wide range of uh, reliable, secure, and uh, real-time services. Because this is a large-scale network, so the architecture we designed, they must uh, accommodate a hierarchy of uh, constraints. Those kind of constraints include the timing constraint, including the reliability constraint, and include the uh, data freshness uh, constraints. Uh, so as an overview of uh, the research work in our group, uh, we are building the subwoofing system uh, top, uh, bottom up. So in the bottom, we designed uh, the uh, read-adaptive wireless uh, real-time communication protocol, and we studied the network management techniques to organize uh, these uh, sensors and uh, actuators into a real-time mesh network. And uh, we built the whole system. We built uh, the uh, hardware. We built the stack. We built the gateway. Uh, we built the network manager. And we built the whole solutions. And we, build, we deploy this kind of system into different uh, scenarios. For example, we build them, the test bed in the office environment, and we build them uh, into the real uh, industry bed to do the measurement uh, 
for their performance to validate our design for both the stack and also the network management uh, uh, approaches. Uh, so one step further, uh, we not only be, want to be restricted into a local uh, network, but we wanted to interconnect uh, the heterogeneous CPS together to form a larger scale network. So in this way, we can let uh, different devices with different data link uh, layer technologies to talk to each other and uh, to support uh, large scale uh, real reliable and real time services. Uh, based on top of uh, this uh, network infrastructure, uh, we, are, we are designing those uh, data management techniques to uh, support uh, the data freshness, to uh, provide the good control quality for different kinds of uh, monitoring and control applications uh, in this uh, large-scale network. And uh, integrating all these kind of components together, we are building uh, different uh, representative uh, cyber-physical applications. So, uh, so here we will introduce uh, several of them. The first one is uh, we are working with uh, UC Berkeley and uh, the San Francisco University uh, the Medical School. Uh, the project is called the Smart, Smart Shoes. So essentially it's a uh, uh, body sensor and actual network. So you can see that uh, we have uh, different sensors. It's a variable sensors. We can put them into different uh, part of the body. And we have a Smart Shoe, uh, which is uh, at the bottom here. We have different sensors there to measure different kinds of uh, measurement, like the pressure, and all the other uh, things. And then all this kind of measurement can be forwarded through wireless to a centralized controller. Then the controller can run the different control algorithms to control the mechanical motor in the joint which is uh, uh, installed on the patient. So this kind of control algorithm can send those kind of control messages to the motor to control the behavior of the motor. So that can help the patient to work. So this is the main uh, purpose of uh, this project. And also, another uh, cyber-physical application we are building is uh, called the uh, cyber-physical avatar. So in this uh, project, uh, we have uh, three different groups together. We have uh, the uh, robotics test. They are from the humanoid uh, robotic lab. And also, uh, we have the uh, people from the machine, uh, machine learning uh, group. And also, we have the uh, people from our group, the real-time system group. So we are building uh, Subphysical avatar project, we wanted to remotely be able to control the robot to conduct uh, some uh, real-time behaviors. For example, uh, in our demo that we are building, we wanted to control the robot to be able to go to the desk and uh, to grasp uh, a cup of water and then bring the water back to the operator. So, so all this uh, project involved uh, how to control the robot, how to send the command in real time to send it to the robot and how to do the learning to grasp the cup of water. So in this project, we are, building, we are putting the uh, expertise from a different uh, group together to build this uh, fancy network. Uh, another uh, CPS application uh, we are building is uh, called uh, the uh, remote and real-time vetting system. So in this uh, project, we wanted to reuse the, this network infrastructure we built to uh, to give the remote operator ability to remotely control the writing machine. So in this way, the user can remotely access to this uh, writing machine and control the writing process. And then they can, through the high-resolution camera, to monitor this kind of writing uh, uh, process. And they can send those real-time control messages to the uh, local control PC to either go on with uh, the writing process or they want to stop this writing process in real time. Uh, in a more fancy way, uh, we hope that we can combine these two projects together. So we wanted to put uh, the, the cyber-physical avatar into this project so that we can make the whole process to be uh, automatic. So we can let uh, the avatar, so basically the operator can control both the wedding machine and also the cyber-physical avatar. They can let the robot to head in those wedding materials into the wedding machine. So the whole process will be automated. So this is the uh, ultimate goal of our uh, remote and real-time vetting system. Uh, so in the following of the uh, talk, I will talk about uh, the uh, protocol, we will talk about the network management uh, uh, techniques, and we will talk about uh, how we wanted to integrate different uh, uh, CPS together. So first of all, let's take a look at the uh, read adaptive wireless real-time communication protocol we built uh, with uh, different companies. 
Uh, the first question uh, we have to ask is uh, what features should the protocol stack need to support the CPS uh, subsystem? The first thing is uh, we need a low power because uh, for all these kind of sensors and actuators, most of them, they are battery powered. And also we wanted to let them to run as long as possible. So normally for those sensors, we hope that uh, they can be alive for more than like one year. So low power is the first priority of our protocol. So instead of using the Wi-Fi, we are using the AO2.15.4 to be the physical layer of our protocol. Uh, and we use the low power radio to do the transmission. Uh, the second feature we wanted to support is the real time. Because now in the subface system, we are controlling those uh, mechanical parts and we wanted to send the uh, control messages to them in deterministic way and uh, in the periodic way and we hope that the jitter could be as uh, less as uh, possible. So to achieve this, uh, instead of using the CSMA, we are using the TDMA and we prefer the centralized management uh, to provide the timing uh, predictability. So in the later slides, I will show how we achieve this one. Uh, the third feature we wanted to uh, achieve is uh, reliable because uh, we are controlling those uh, me uh, mechanical parts. We, we, we are dealing with the patient, we are dealing with the robot. So we hope that all this kind of uh, transmission, they should be reliable. Uh, we cannot afford like uh, we have a package loss and we have this, otherwise the consequence will be very, uh, will be a disaster for us. So uh, the reliability is achieved in different levels of our protocol. Because in our protocol, we, as we mentioned, we based on the physical uh, AO2.15.4 physical layer, and we built the data link layer ourselves. We built the network layer and transportation uh, transport layer ourselves, and we built our specific application layer. So the reliability uh, is uh, achieved in both uh, the uh, the network layer. We can achieve the uh, reliable mesh networking in the network layer. And uh, uh, in the data link layer, we have two features. Uh, we use the data link layer uh, acknowledgement because we have to, so every time we transmit a packet, then we need to get an acknowledgement from the uh, receiver to make sure that the package is delivered. Uh, otherwise, the retransmission will be uh, required. And also we have the channel hopping mechanism built in into this uh, protocol. Uh, so in this way, uh, we have 16 channels in the AO2.15.4 physical layer. So every time, every time we transmit a packet, then the transmission will be on a different channel. Uh, even though like uh, we assign on the same uh, logical channel, but every time transmission, it will be on a different physical channel. Uh, security, uh, uh, security is also a very important feature we have to support because uh, uh, as we know, we are dealing with a patient and we are dealing with like a robot. We hope that all those kind of messages must be secured. So we have, uh, uh, the, we have to guarantee the data integrity on the data link layer, and we have to guarantee the uh, data confidentiality on the network layer. Uh, so uh, as we mentioned, we prefer the centralized uh, management for the, uh, uh, our CPS subsystem. So in this way, uh, uh, in this kind of network, we have a centralized uh, network manager sitting on top of the whole network. Uh, which is used to uh, authenticate the devices because we have to have the secure join process for the device. And uh, we, uh, the network manager will be responsible for forming the network and uh, constructing the routing graph because this is a mesh network. And uh, then based on the constructed routing graph, uh, we need to schedule the data linkage layer transmission between different peers to make sure the packet will be transmitted through multi-hop to the destination in a reliable and real-time way. Uh, we have a centralized uh, gateway, could be sitting together with the network manager, uh, which is uh, responsible for collecting uh, and caching the sensor data we received uh, from the whole network. Uh, and also it can working, uh, uh, use uh, to process the queries from the other uh, CPS uh, subsystem because uh, different sub, uh, CPS, they, uh, CPS subsystems, they have to collaborate with each other to conduct some collaborated uh, tasks. Uh, so the gateway have this uh, uh, role to process those kind of uh, queries. Uh, also, we have a security manager, uh, which is used uh, to manage the security information in the whole network. As we said, this is a secure protocol, so we have to have this uh, centralized uh, security manager. Uh, so here is an overview of uh, the real-time protocol stack. Uh, we cannot go through the details of every aspect of our protocol, we just mentioned several uh, key features of the protocol. 
So for the network layer uh, uh, features, we will discuss uh, in the next section. Uh, here we will focus on the uh, data link layer, the features. Uh, first of all, uh, as we mentioned, this is a real-time protocol, so we have to <coughs> do the TDMA. We do the transmission in the TDMA way. Uh, we slice the time into the time slot with the uh, equal time slot. And uh, by default, each time slot now is uh, 10 milliseconds. But uh, in our project, now we have been able to shrink the time loss slot to 2 milliseconds by sacrificing the security and by sacrificing the size of the payload. Uh, so this uh, picture uh, at the bottom shows uh, the, uh, the, timing, uh, the, the, the timing requirement for uh, the sender and the receiver in one time slot. You can see that uh, in every time slot, the sender will send the message the receiver will listening on the channel to get the message and then it will generate the acknowledged messages and then send it back to the, uh, the, the uh, sender. So this is uh, one transaction in one time slot. So this is uh, to guarantee that the message will be received, otherwise the retransmission will be enforced. Uh, so we have the definition for the link. So we defined uh, uh, the link to represent the activity uh, in a time slot. Uh, so you can see that we have uh, three kinds of uh, time slot in the protocol. We have the idle link, we have the uh, send link, and the receive link. So for each link, uh, it contains the information who is the neighbor, who we are going to talk to for this uh, time slot. And uh, if this is uh, a send link or it's a receive link, and uh, on which communication channel this uh, communication will happen. Because as we said, we will use the, the channel hopping. So this uh, communication channel here is uh, the logical channel. And then in the real-time computation, that will map to the physical channel to do the communication. Uh, and also, we have uh, a definition for a superframe, which is a group of uh, consecutive uh, uh, links. Uh, and uh, this uh, superframe can repeat itself infinitely. So each superframe defines uh, the communication pattern for the device. It can periodically repeat itself. And also, uh, a device can support uh, uh, several different superframes with a different uh, length of the superframe. And we have uh, a link scheduler which can access to different uh, superframes and uh, can access uh, to different uh, priority queues for data link layer packets. Then you can decide which is uh, the nearest uh, time slot that we can transmit a certain packet and then transmit on the air. Uh, so this is uh, just a brief introduction about uh, the TDMA mechanism uh, in uh, our protocol. I mean, the real uh, Mac uh, data link layer state machine is uh, more complex than this one, uh, but just uh, briefly the general idea. So for the secure communication, as we said, the security is enforced uh, in both the data link layer and uh, the uh, network layer. So in the data link layer, we support the hop-to-hop -hop data integrity, and we use the CCM star mode with the AES-128 uh, to generate the leak. Uh, we have uh, two different uh, uh, keys to generate the link. Uh, so we have a joint devices, and we have the existing devices in the network. So, uh, so for the joint devices, we use a public key to generate uh, the link. And uh, for the existing devices, uh, we use a network key to generate uh, the uh, link. So in the network layer, we have the joint key for the device to be able to join to the network. And we have the session key for the devices they should be able to set up the end-to-end -end secure communication between two different devices in the network. Uh, as we said, uh, we also have the uh, channel hopping mechanism and we have the uh, channel blacklisting, uh, blacklisting uh, mechanism. Um, so the purpose uh, of the channel hopping is we wanted to spread the communication in all the uh, active physical channel in AO2.15.4. So in this way, if we have some contentions from the other network, for example, from the Wi-Fi, then we can be able to uh, jump out of those bands and then we can communicate in the next link. Uh, because uh, the feature of the network is a real-time batch network, so we have uh, a global synchronization time. So all the devices successfully joined to the network, they will have uh, the global reference time. So in this way, uh, even though we set a, a same uh, channel offset for a pair of uh, devices that want to communicate with each other, then according to the same absolute slot number, uh, uh, first of all, the two pairs, then they can calculate the, the actual physical channel they want to do communication on, and also every time, uh, along with the time change, the absolute slot type is also changed. 
So every time we transmit another packet, then the physical channel, the active channel, will be different. Uh, the channel blacklisting mechanism is used to uh, restrict the channel hopping uh, to select the channels uh, in the out band. So in this way, if we find that they have some channels being blocked by the Wi-Fi, then we can just uh, simply block those kind of uh, uh, out band that we can to use the remaining channels for our uh, network to do the communication. Uh, it can pro uh, protect the wireless service, uh, use the fixed portion of the IF band, so for example, from Wi-Fi. Uh, so uh, we have already set up a, a test bed, uh, up to 50 devices, and the synchronization uh, is good. Uh, however, uh, we have uh, met the bottleneck, because as we mentioned, we use uh, this network, it's a low power, and uh, actually it's a low data rate. So what we are going to do is we want to use this protocol to control the mechanic parts. And all these kind of uh, mechanic parts, they mostly they require the high speed uh, control. However, in our part, even we have already shrinked uh, the time slot to two milliseconds, uh, the, the sampling frequency is just, uh, two, uh, just uh, uh, 500 hertz. It's still not that high as required by those kind of uh, mechanic parts. So this is the reason uh, why I'm here talking with uh, Professor Lee and uh, our colleagues. Uh, we hope that uh, uh, to see whether we can do some combination, whether we can, because we like the, the features, we like the features we propose in our standard uh, in the MAC layer, the TTMA, like uh, the uh, network layer to form the mesh network, uh, reliability, real-time things, but uh, the data rate is, uh, is low. So we hope that we can still maintain the topper part of our protocol, but we replaced our physical layer with the Wi-Fi uh, physical layer. So in this way, uh, we have the reliability, we have the real-time performance, uh, uh, basically we have everything together. So we hope that uh, if we take a look at uh, the application domain, if our protocol sitting one end of the application, say it's low power, the power saving performance is very good, uh, but uh, the data rate is low, Wi-Fi is sitting the other end of uh, the application domain, the high speed, uh, but high power consumptions, whether we can combine them together so the new hybrid protocol can cover a much larger uh, a range of applications for those kind of uh, cyberphase system, then it will be a huge impact in the future. Uh, of course, we have uh, some uh, uh, challenges here. So one of the challenges is uh, uh, because we wanted to achieve the network-wide synchronization. So we not only want to only build one-hop uh, synchronization, we hope that uh, it can be uh, support a multi-hop network. So we wanted to maintain a global synchronization in the whole network. So this is a challenge we haven't tried, but in theory, it seems that it's doable. Uh, another thing is, uh, another critical thing is about the power thing. Because we know that Wi-Fi, the power, power consumption is very high. Uh, however, uh, as we mentioned, all those kind of sensor actuators, uh, most of them, uh, they are battery powered. So we don't hope that uh, they can only last for like several days, then it's dead. We don't want to, in the runtime, we change the battery. We hope that we can reduce the power consumption for the uh, devices as much as possible. So this is uh, the two challenges that we wanted to, uh, to address. Uh, so basically, this is uh, ongoing research work. So you can see that we have different this kind of mechanic parts that we wanted to control them. So basically, we have to have a high data rate, low power consumption, and real-time protocol to support these applications. Uh, so what we mentioned here is a brief introduction of the protocol, but the protocol just ran on the device. So now we wanted to organize these uh, sensors and actuators uh, together into a network. So it will involve uh, the uh, network uh, management techniques. We wanted to organize them together to support the reliable real-time services in the network. Uh, so as we said, the goal here is uh, we wanted to achieve the reliable routings in the wireless uh, real-time mesh network. And we wanted to achieve the real-time communication by deterministic link and the channel assignment. Because uh, as we said, this is a centralized network. So we hope that we can deterministically <coughs> set the links, the channels for different uh, each pair of the communication so that we can achieve the real-time performance. And uh, we don't want to just uh, validate our design in simulator. We want to uh, implement them into the real product. We want to build the whole system and deploy the whole system into a different uh, environment to, to really validate the performance of the system. 
the challenge here is uh, we need to solve uh, two related uh, sub problems because we have the routing part and we have the real time communication part. Uh, so the first part we wanted to uh, build uh, the reliable uh, graph routing for the whole network. And then based on this uh, constructed graph, we wanted to schedule the links, uh, the, each pair of the link in the whole mesh network so that we can achieve the performance. Uh, so we define the three, type, uh, three types of uh, communication graph. We have a, a global broadcaster graph, which is used to broadcast the configuration information for the whole network, uh, uh, which is targeted for the whole, uh, all devices in the whole network. So this is a global graph shared by the whole network. And also we have an uplink graph, which is used by the devices to publish their data, their measurement data upward back to the gateway because as we mentioned we have a centralized gateway to uh, do the data caching and to do the processing and also uh, because we have the configuration message to send from the network manager to each devices to configure each devices so for each device we have a, a downlink graph to from the gateway and network manager to each devices so we have uh, all these three different uh, types of uh, graphs so we define the graph, the, the broadcast graph to be reliable if for every device in the, in the graph, it has uh, two uh, parents that can send uh, the messages, send the broadcast message to our devices. So if one of the link is broken or it's delayed, then we can send <coughs> the other one to the devices. So the performance, uh, uh, of the, uh, the performance of reliability and the packet loss ratio will be increased. Uh, for the uplink graph, uh, it's in a similar way. For each devices, we assume that uh, we will configure the device to have uh, two links to its enable <coughs> to send the message to the gateway. So in this way, uh, we can, if one link is broken, we can send out the other link. So we can reduce the package loss ratio and also we can increase the latency of the transmission because we don't need to let the cells to send the packet again. So uh, it will help, help uh, uh, improve the performance. Uh, for the downlink graph, uh, uh, it's a little bit different because uh, we know that uh, the graph is uh, from the south, uh, from the network manager to each devices, and this is uh, one graph per each devices. And uh, it's, uh, it can be proved that uh, uh, for if we wanted to achieve reliable uh, reliability requirement, which means uh, for every node in the graph, it has two enables to forward the packet to the destination, then according to this requirement, then we definitely we will have form a loop in this kind of graph, which is uh, it's uh, not a good performance for us. So uh, to avoid the forwarding loop, so we have two requirements here. We wanted to uh, only have one cycle of less two in this kind of a downlink graph. And uh, so for each device on the cycle, it will have uh, direct edges to the destination. So in this way, once uh, the devices on this cycle receive the packet, it knows its destination and it knows its link. So it will direct, directly forward the packet through that link to the destination while not uh, forward to the other label so that we will not uh, form the loop. Uh, so building the reliable uh, graph, uh, broadcaster graph and the uplink graph, they are similar. Uh, so in the heuristic way, we can grow the graph uh, by selecting the reliable node uh, with the minimal latency to the gateway. So in this way, our target is we wanted to uh, improve the latency of this kind of transmission as much as possible. So the broadcaster message can reach the whole network uh, as soon as possible. So for, the, uh, so for building the downlink graph, it's a little bit different because we know that uh, the downlink graph is uh, one graph per each node. So uh, in the standard way, we have to construct a completely new graph from the gateway to the device. But this is not efficient for us because uh, we know that uh, the configuration in the intermediate node, they cannot be reused by the other node because uh, this is, uh, we have one uh, graph ID for each graph and this is cannot be reused by the other devices. Uh, so it will cause the high configuration cost and they have the poor scalability. To uh, address this problem, so we changed our protocol a uh, little bit. So we proposed uh, the uh, sequential reliable uh, downlink routing uh, the key principle of the approach is uh, we only let uh, each node to keep a small local graph. We don't want to construct the whole complete graph, but just a small local graph. And then uh, we will reuse the, the local graph to as the building block for constructing the reliable downlink graph. So in this way, uh, we can reduce the, the complete cost, but at the same time, we can still achieve the reliability requirement for the whole network. So we can achieve the low configuration cost 
we can have the high scalability and we have the high reliability. So here is uh, an example for this knotting uh, approach. Uh, so uh, figure A shows uh, the original network topology and uh, for figure B and figure C we can see that we wanted to construct a dynamical graph for uh, device 2 and device 3. So they are the same for the standard way and this uh, SRDS way because we only construct one graph for node 2 and node 3. Uh, the difference is when we wanted to construct uh, the uh, dynamical graph for device 1, uh, we don't need to construct the whole graph. Here we only construct a local graph which is uh, consists of uh, the lines uh, with a dotted line. And uh, the routing graph for device 1 will be a combination of uh, two subgraphs, which is uh, G2 and G1. So the configuration on the device 2 can be reused by uh, constructing the downlink graph for device 1. The same thing uh, will happen when we want to construct the downlink graph for, for device 4. Uh, so, so in this way, we only, also only need uh, four, four links here to construct the local graph. And the routing graph from the gateway to the device 4 will be consist of G2, G1, and G4. So the packet transmitted from the gateway, uh, from gateway to the device will first go through the graph 2 and then send to graph 1 and then finally reach the destination. Uh, so uh, when we construct uh, the downlink graph for uh, device 5, it's a little bit different because we have one more extra link here from the exit point 1 to the device 3. Uh, we add this kind of uh, link because we wanted to uh, award the node failure at the device 2. If the node 2 is down, then basically the whole downlink graph will be down. So this is the reason why we add this extra link. Uh, so this uh, example just shows the basic idea how we construct graph. But we have more constraint in the real algorithm, which is uh, relatively more complicated. Uh, here is a, a simple animation to show how it works. Uh, we extended our stack a little bit uh, because the previously, uh, this is uh, the network header for our protocol and uh, you can see that in the original network uh, header we only have one graph ID which uh, shows that uh, the device, will, uh, the, the packet will be sent on this uh, specific uh, graph to transmit to the destination. And also we have the extended routing information which is previously used for source routing. We keep a sequence of uh, uh, node ID in this uh, source routing information to send the packet to the destination. Uh, here, we reduced uh, this uh, field and uh, to put uh, the uh, sequence of uh, graph information instead of the node information here. So, uh, uh, so that we used uh, one bit, one uh, reserved bit in the control byte. So this is one byte for the control for the network header. We used uh, one restricted bit to show that uh, whether this is a source routing or this is a SRDR uh, sequential routing. Uh, in this example, we know that uh, we have, uh, for each device, we have the local graph and uh, we wanted to send the message from the X.2 to the device 4. Uh, at the X.2, in the standard way, uh, we first see that we have the information for graph 2. Then we forward the message on the graph 2 uh, to the destination uh, 2. And then, uh, on the graph 2, we know that the next uh, graph that we wanted to send the packet is on uh, graph G1, so we will send a message to, to 1. And then, uh, 1 will find the information for G4, and then send a message to uh, device 4. So then this finishes the transmission. However, this is uh, not a good performance, because we know that uh, uh, basically we have uh, another shortest pass from uh, A2 to devices 2, and then can directly forward the message to uh, device uh, 4. So we have uh, an op optimization here, Instead of looking forward to this graph information uh, in this extended routing information, then we take a look at this routing information backward. Because we know that uh, the later the graph in this uh, field, then the closer it will be to the destination. So uh, in the same example, you can see that uh, first at the exit point 2, it wanted to transmit a package and it looked at this uh, graph information, found that, okay, it only has information for graph T2. So there's no way for it to, to do the shortcut. So we have to use a G2. Uh, but uh, when we transmit a packet to device 2, then we found that uh, if we backward look at this uh, uh, the graph information, then it has the information for G4. Then you can directly send the message according to the links in the graph G4 and send the message to device 2, uh, device 4. 
uh, if in case that uh, the link from device two to device four is broken, then it can still uh, going back to take a look at the graph information and found that, okay, we have the G1 information, then we can send the message on the graph G1, send the message from device two to device one, and then device one can, according to information on G4, send the message to, to device four. So in this way, we can have a good balance between the, the latency, improving the latency of the network and uh, achieving the reliability of the network. So uh, as we mentioned, we have uh, two sub-problems we wanted to address. One is how we wanted to construct uh, the reliable graph in the network. And uh, the second problem is uh, uh, how we wanted to do the real-time scheduling uh, based on uh, top of the graph that we constructed. So uh, the general scheduling problem for this uh, uh, communication link scheduling based on multi-hop network uh, with the multiple channel, it's uh, known to be the NP hardness, which is proved by uh, the work in the literature. So here we propose a, a heuristic to fit into our system uh, to solve the uh, communication scheduling, uh, link scheduling problem. So the key principle of our approach is uh, definitely we wanted to spread out the channel usage in the whole network because we know that we have uh, 16 channels in the network. Uh, we, we want to take advantage of this one and uh, we wanted to uh, apply the fast, uh, fastest sampling rate first policy so that uh, because uh, if the sampling rate is high for the uh, data transmission, then we know that uh, the uh, importance, I mean, this kind of uh, data flow will be given higher priority. And also, uh, we definitely will allocate the links iteratively from the source to the destination to guarantee the order. And uh, uh, also, we split the traffic among all the successors in this graph. Because in the TDMA transmission, even though we have the redundant links, uh, in the schedule, every time Olin can send on one link. If we uh, allocate the redundant link on both uh, transmission, then it will be a waste of the bandwidth. So here uh, we will use a simple example to show how we do the uh, scheduling. Uh, so uh, on the top part, uh, this is a global uh, channel time slot uh, metric. So notice here, this channel offset is a logic channel, not the physical channel. Uh, and also uh, the XSS is uh, the time slot number. And uh, on the later part, uh, this is uh, the device schedule. This shows how we schedule the links on the, schedule, uh, on the devices. Uh, on the right side, it shows uh, a simple network topology that we wanted to periodically transmit uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, measurement from the device one, two, four, uh, one, one, two, three uh, to the uh, destination, the gateway, through the access point A and B. So uh, we first schedule the transmission from device one to exit point A and two because this is uh, the link, the graph we have constructed for, for the communication. So uh, we allocate this transmission on device one. The red one is showing the transmission and then the yellow one shows that we receive. So on the receive part, we don't allocate the receive link on all the devices for uh, exit point A and uh, the devices two. We only split the bandwidth and only set uh, half of the bandwidth on device uh, access point A and device two. And then the device two will help uh, forward this uh, transmission to access, or, uh, access A and access B. Uh, then the same thing will happen for device three. It will transmit uh, the message through the devices two uh, to the access point. And then finally, we transmit uh, the devices two's uh, measurement information in a periodic uh, way every two seconds to the two access point. So here you will see that uh, on the top side, uh, in this matrix, uh, we don't spread the channel to all the 16 channels. But as we mentioned, this is a logical channel. So this logical channel will be used by the channel hopping mechanism to spread to the physical channel uh, in the runtime. So there's no difference here. Uh, so we have uh, conducted uh, uh, extensive experiments in both the simulator and also the, uh, the experiment. And uh, it shows that the performance uh, in terms of reducing the configuration cost and improve the network latency and improve the uh, network utilization uh, is good compared with the traditional approach. Uh, so, uh, sorry, can you tell me yes. what do you mean about the traditional approach? A traditional approach is uh, uh, we use the standard uh, reliable graph routing for the graph and also we use uh, every time we have to allocate all those kind of links on both uh, successors of the transmission links. So we compare with this kind of baseline algorithms. Uh, 
So uh, as we mentioned, we, we don't want to only validate our approach in experiments. We want to build the real things. We want to build the real system. So uh, here is a brief uh, summary of uh, our system. So this is, uh, as we said, this is a centralized uh, network. Uh, we have a centralized network manager, we have a centralized gateway, and we have a support multiple access point so that we can improve the reliability of the system uh, in a better way. And uh, uh, we go through the AO2 documentation radio and we can talk to a real mesh network. And all these kind of devices, they join through the access point to the network manager, then we can configure the whole network. Uh, so this is a, a small demo, I mean small test bed we, we show in the office, but uh, currently we can support uh, uh, up to 50, uh, I think it's 46 uh, devices. Uh, we have the gateway and the network manager running on the PC, but now we can put them into the embedded controller. Uh, we have the sniffer, uh, we built the devices uh, for the X point, and we have the devices there. Uh, so this is uh, the, the hardware we built ourselves, so which has the uh, uh, daughter board, we have the motherboard. We built the motherboard ourselves, but the daughter board is uh, from the Freescale. It's a system in chip. Uh, so this is the network manager we built. We can show the whole network topology, uh, show the device information, I'm sorry. Uh, and we can show all the schedule we generated in the whole network. So the user can uh, look at the network, uh, doing the diagnostic, see where's the problem with the network. Uh, so this is a gateway, we use a gateway to uh, collecting all those kind of data we received in the whole network, and uh, we can process the queries from other uh, control hosts and applications to uh, conduct uh, high-level applications. Uh, we, we are deploying our system uh, permanently uh, in uh, UT uh, Austin, this is uh, building. Uh, this is still a previous version, we have uh, only 10 devices here. And also we are deploying our system in the real uh, plant, so this is a 3D uh, network. Uh, but this is uh, temporary because uh, uh, they don't allow us to permanently deploy those kind of devices. Uh, otherwise, they will affect their performance. Uh, so, so what we are talking about here now is uh, it's a local network. So we have a real-time mesh network, uh, but this is just a local. So this is not uh, very useful because uh, the scalability of the network is, uh, is, uh, is not good. So we wanted to uh, extend it. We wanted to go one step further, we hope to connect uh, uh, different uh, network with different data link layer technologies together. So uh, we wanted to put the IP functionalities into the sensor devices so that they can talk through IP. So in this way, uh, they have uh, uh, several advantages. For example, they have the scalable service. Uh, if the devices, they are IP enabled, then we know that uh, each devices, they only need to understand the IP information. I mean, they only need to understand the protocol for the application layer, then they can talk to each other. So they don't need to uh, require the knowledge of the specific uh, data link layer technologies. For example, if you wanted to uh, working with our protocol, you don't need to understand the data link layer, network layer, all the things. You don't need to understand our application layer. They only need to uh, use the standard socket API to do the programming and then send the message uh, to the destination you wanted to transmit. And, uh, so this will ease uh, the programming task for all the programmers. And also, uh, we can support the incremental deployment uh, because uh, if you talk to those, uh, uh, those uh, customers, so they don't want to change their current infrastructure. They don't want to change anything. But if you can provide the incremental deployment, for example, I see I don't need to change anything there. I just need to give a devices <coughs> with this kind of IP uh, enabled functionality. They can plug in, then they can use it this will be their favorite. So with this kind of a design, uh, we will have no change in the existing devices and the services. Uh, to achieve this, uh, we have to several support because we know that uh, the data link layer uh, for, the, uh, for the wireless network, especially for the low power, low data rate uh, power uh, network, uh, they are very limited in the memory cells, in the CPU, MCU, uh, computation resource. So uh, we are, uh, Using the 6 low pan standard, we are building the uh, 6 low pan protocol, which is uh, to use the IPv6 uh, uh, technology, but uh, they will do the header compression, decompression, fragmentation, and the reassembly, this kind of technologies to do this adaptation from the IP messages to uh, much shrinked uh, messages. So, in this way, they can send those kind of messages through the uh, low bandwidth uh, data link layer. 
uh, of course, uh, to support the IP adaptation, we need to have some uh, minimum uh, changes. We need to change our stack because we have to support this uh, 6 row pen and also the core AP uh, standard, which is uh, for the constrained uh, uh, application layer. Uh, and also, we have to change a little bit uh, on the gateway because we wanted to change the gateway to be a uh, router, should be able to do this kind of, uh, it also has to have this uh, 6 row pen uh, adapter layer to change all these uh, kind of things to support uh, the message can be transmitted on the internet. Uh, uh, for the routing and the security, uh, we wanted to maintain the routing approach unchanged, and we wanted to maintain the security mechanism unchanged, because as we said, this is our requirement uh, for supporting the uh, uh, incremental deployment. We don't want to change everything. So all these kind of IP-enabled uh, uh, transmission, they should be transparent to the existing devices in the whole plan. So, uh, so for the routing, uh, we keep those uh, routing approach unchanged, and we, uh, we wrap the IP fragment uh, according to the corresponding data link layer format for the each uh, subsystem, uh, and then we do the resampling and the decompression only at the other devices, which we wanted to have this kind of IP services. For security, uh, we don't want to change the security mechanism. Uh, what we only to do is we want to, to add the IPsec service. Uh, between the Android router for this uh, CPS subsystem and then the internet host or the other uh, uh, the edge router for the other CPS systems. Uh, so uh, here is a picture shows how we changed on the uh, uh, edge router. Uh, basically, uh, we have the IPv4 because we wanted to do the uh, 624 uh, encapsulation and decapsulation. Uh, and also we have the IPsec encryption, decryption, and then we put uh, the IP adaptation layer, the 6 row pen layer there. Uh, then this kind of message after this uh, adaptation, then they can send uh, uh, through the network layer and then send to the exit point and send to the destination in the devices. Uh, on the device, uh, so on the left side is our previous uh, 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 protocol. We have application, transport, uh, network layer, and data link layer. Uh, so here, in parallel with our current stack, uh, we enhance the network layer to use the one bit to identify whether this is a standard uh, uh, protocol or this is can we can support the IP enabled standard. So we have the six row pan uh, 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 protocol uh, implement there, and which support UDP and SMP, but TCP will not be supported. Uh, then we use the CoAP application layer to through the socket API to communicate through this six row pan layer, and then to talk to the destination it wants to talk to. Uh, so, uh, so basically what we talk to now is uh, the uh, network infrastructure. We talk about how we uh, built uh, the protocol, uh, real-time protocol for the devices. We talk about how we wanted to connect them uh, into the local real-time mesh network. And we talk about how we wanted to connect different CPS systems together into a relatively larger scale uh, uh, network. But, uh, we build this kind of a network structure because we wanted to have the application on top of it. We wanted to support the real-time uh, reliable services on top of this uh, infrastructure. Uh, so doing the data management on top of the infrastructure will be uh, critical. So uh, as we said here, maintaining the data quality in CPS is uh, uh, the key, the key for the application because uh, uh, as we said, the CPS, the, they have a sensor data flow. We have all those kind of measurements. Uh, from the sensors which are deployed in the physical environment, collect those measurements, send it back to the gateway of the uh, subsystem, and also we have the control flow sending from the controller back to the actuator to, do the, uh, to control the uh, mechanic uh, parts. Uh, as we said, the sensor data, they are real-time data because they are capturing the physical environment, and the physical environment is, is, is clearly changing. So for example, the temperature, for example, the location of the robot, for example, the uh, 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 basically the gesture of the uh, uh, mechanic motor for this uh, uh, physical part. So this kind of data, uh, they have time semantics. It's not just a one-time value. Uh, the quality of this kind of real-time data, they will degrade with the passage of the time. Passage of the time. So, and also we know that uh, all this kind of control flow, they are based on the data quality that it access to. For example, we have the real-time database system, and we put all this kind of data into the RTDB, and these kind of control queries, they go to the RTDB, get the information. So the quality of the data we stored in the database, they must be fresh enough for us to access to 
then the control quality can be maintained to be accurate. Uh, so ideally, if we wanted to keep the freshness of data, the ideal way is uh, we keep sampling. We keep sampling all those kind of sensors as much as possible. So uh, the period for sampling will be as low as possible, then the quality of the data will be as good, will be, will be good. Um, but we have to uh, enable the trade-off between the data quality and the sampling rate uh, because we wanted to reduce the network uh, uh, traffic and we wanted to reduce the CPU workload that we're operating the RTDB. We wanted to reduce uh, the update cost on the CPU as much as possible. And also uh, for those sensors, we know that it's uh, battery-based. So we wanted to save the battery and we wanted to uh, prolong the network lifetime as much as possible. Uh, but this is a trade-off. We wanted to do all this kind of a reduction, but uh, we still wanted to maintain the sensor data quality. And we wanted to maintain the co uh, control quality because of why we build this kind of system is we wanted to have uh, good quality monitoring and sensing and uh, control applications. So this is uh, our uh, the, the goal. Uh, so our task model is here, we use a robot to, uh, to represent uh, uh, sensor and uh, activity network. And they have, uh, for each sensors, they have the sensor data flow uh, sending from this network to the RTDB. And uh, uh, we defined a range of uh, validated interval to, to define the, the freshness and the quality of the data. Uh, so this kind of uh, data will be updated into the database. And we have another set of uh, tasks we call the periodic control task. This kind of a control task will be issued to the RTDB and then accessing to those real-time data and then send the control data back to the, uh, the network. So uh, the quality of this control data, as we said, is a function of the uh, access the sensor data. So the, the more fresh the sensor data is, then the control quality of those kind of control transactions will be. Uh, so this is, uh, here is a summary of our uh, task model. Basically, I cannot go into too much details there. But uh, the basic idea is uh, we have uh, two set of, uh, we, because we model them into the real-time scheduling problem, so we have two types of uh, tasks. We have the update task, uh, which is, uh, has the features by the computation time, jitter of the transmission, uh, minimum validity interval, uh, maximum validity interval, and the quality functions. And also we have a set of uh, control tasks. Uh, we have the uh, accident time, uh, jitter, uh, deadline, periodic, and the period. And we have the functions, uh, a set of sensor data that the control uh, data will access to the database and uh, get the value. Uh, so the goal here for our problem is uh, we wanted to uh, maintain the control data quality because uh, we know that uh, the control data is uh, the hard deadline, the real-time, hard real-time deadline. So we wanted to maintain that the timing constraint for all these uh, control transactions, they can be satisfied. But at the same time, we wanted to, we can sacrifice a little bit of the data freshness, but they must be within a range. And the problem here is we wanted to uh, minimize the updated workload and also get a balance between the quality of the data. Uh, so uh, maybe I skip this one and uh, talk about uh, uh, our research roadmap because uh, we have uh, developed different kinds of uh, uh, algorithm and method to maintain the data freshness while uh, reducing the uh, update cost. Uh, we start the problem from simple to more complicated because we said we have uh, two set of transactions. So in the first phase of our research, uh, we only considered uh, to maintain the data freshness for the updated task set. Then uh, we first consider the periodic task model. We consider whether we have a jitter in the transmission or we don't have the jitter in the transmission. And then we developed, based on the baseline uh, algorithm called the half-off, which separates the validity interval to, to half of, uh, to, 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 sorry, to half. And then we set the deadline and the period of this update transaction, each to be half of the validity interval to guarantee the validity interval constraint. Uh, based on this uh, baseline approach, we have the models, we have the GBML, SBML, uh, based on the periodic task model. Uh, we have the experiment to show that uh, the effectiveness uh, of all these uh, algorithms. Then uh, further, we wanted to, to extend the model. We don't want it to based on the periodic model, but we find that because uh, they have the restriction for the periodic task model, if we wanted to calculate the period for the update, uh, then we have to take the worst case extreme time into consideration. So in this way, it's very pessimistic. Uh, instead of using the periodic task model, we will use the sporadic task model. So instead of using the worst case extreme time, uh, 
we calculate uh, the preemptions from the high priority task uh, in the runtime, and then we can calculate the release time of the sampling uh, data uh, in the runtime. So in this way, we can defer the the distance between two race time. So in this way, in average, then the, the, the average period for the uh, transmission will be increased and then CPU utilis, uh, utilization will be decreased. Uh, so we proposed uh, the deferral scheduling. Uh, we proposed the algorithm, uh, its analysis. Uh, we gave the overhead reduction algorithms. Uh, we have the uh, theoretic uh, uh, schedulability test, uh, the analysis uh, for this approach. And uh, then we go step, uh, one step further to study the problem that we wanted to maintain the data freshness uh, in flexible subway system. Because all these previous work, they only consider given a fixed set of update transactions. We don't consider in the runtime, for example, the robot could have a different mode. It can be, for example, it can be standing, it can be running, it can be conducting different kind of a learning tasks. So in different mode, then their data the data requirement, the assembly requirement will be different. So we studied the problem, how to maintain the data freshness, the quality of those kind of sensor data in this flexible environment, uh, how to maintain the uh, freshness, not only in each mode, but also during this mode change. So uh, in the real-time uh, scheduling theory, we call it a mode change. Uh, and then finally, we are studying how we wanted to not only combine the update transactions, but also the control transaction into consideration, then the optimization problem could be uh, even more complicated because uh, we have uh, the timing constraint from the control task, and we have, uh, uh, at the same time, we wanted to uh, dynamically maintain the data quality from the different sensors as much as possible. So uh, as a conclusion, so this is a converging point here, uh, the project, uh, as we mentioned, the sample physical avatar. So we hope that we can use the uh, different uh, controller machine interface here uh, to control the uh, robot that uh, in the UT Human uh, Center Robotic Lab. So we we are building this infrastructure. We are building. Uh, we are using the OpenFlow switch uh, in the campus. We are deploying those kind of uh, uh, OpenFlow switch, which can guarantee the end-to-end uh, -end QS uh, different from the current internet. We are deploying those kind of switch in uh, UT campus. Uh, and also we have already built the whole network infrastructure and we wanted to evaluate uh, uh, our proposed data management techniques into the robot and into this kind of interface to validate our design. So uh, hopefully we can finish this project in one or two years. Uh, yeah, so basically this is the end of my talk. Thanks. Yeah, I just uh, try to uh, give a very brief description of uh, the different uh, project. Uh, hopefully, I can glue, glue them together. I mean, uh, in a one-hour talk. <laughs> yes. Can I ask you? You seem to be trying to decentralize control to yes. activate every single motor for every single yes. motion that yes. it does. Why don't you allow yourself? a little bit of intelligence in each of the devices so that you don't need this continual real-time communication. Yes, you are right. You don't even trust the robots or something. Yes, you are right. Because, uh, uh, so this is project is, uh, basically we have a hierarchy of uh, the design. So in the first step, we wanted that uh, we have uh, be able to totally control the robot. If we have this kind of a deterministic real-time communication, then definitely we can do anything that we want to do. We can control the robot. But in the later, because uh, uh, we also have the expert uh, from the machine learning group, so they are designing different uh, machine learning algorithms. So in that time, we don't need to have the low-level command. We have a high-level command. So we only need to send the high-level command to robot. Then robot can do the local control. So this is the next phase of our project, and it's still ongoing. I see. Can I ask a second question about that? So then, you see, it means your, your data link layer stuff was all completely motivated by this, this need for real-time control. One of the things that you didn't tell us, for instance, is that the overhead cost in your communication, given you reduced it to two milliseconds or whatever, I presume mm -hmm. that you know, the physical layer, trailer and all that kind of thing, is, is, is how much of it is data, you know? So if, if instead I trust you, you know, my robot or whatever, then, then you know, I can have much bigger payload, so much, much you know, more efficient use of the bandwidth and that reduces power and has all those desirable effects. So. Okay, okay. So uh, in our current system, uh, as I said, we wanted to reduce the transmission from 10 milliseconds to 2 milliseconds. It's a full specific application. 
So this is for the smart shoe project. Because uh, 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 I think in our current setup, we have uh, four sensors and we have one accurator. So, uh, but the communication requirement for the accurator that we wanted to control the accurator is very high. It's at least, actually it's uh, one millisecond, but we cannot achieve that one. So this is the reason why I'm here. <laughs> so in that one, in that setup, it's uh, one hop network. So because we have a star network, we have the centralized controller here, and all these uh, four sensors and one accurator, they have one hop communication to the, com uh, to the centralized community, uh, to the centralized controller. So there's no mesh networking topology there. So for the mesh uh, network topology, uh, uh, we, we don't have a two millisecond. That's it's too fast. Because we also sacrifice a lot because we, we don't have a security uh, mechanism in the two millisecond uh, the time slot. Uh, we remove the network layer. So this is a sacrifice, which we, uh, we don't like it. So this reason we still want to keep them, but we wanted to uh, increase the data rate as much as possible. Uh, lady first. <laughs> yes. Yeah, probably have more questions, but I'll try to just formulate two or three. One is somehow okay. One, maybe it's somehow related to what, to what Ken asked. So everything seemed to be really centralized in your environment. Yes. Yes. And I assume because of the fact that you also have uh, robots that move around, so you're often going to have topology changes and all that. Does your solution scale with the network size? You had 15 nodes uh, at some point, so uh, you have a single entity doing routing, channel assignment, slot assignment, and I guess you have to know topology because you're also doing channel hopping, so I guess you want a group of nodes to hop, and also probably uh, you want some nodes to use certain slots while others use the same certain slots because they don't interfere and so on. So it seems awfully complex for a yep. centralized. Yes, this is a good point. Uh, <coughs> so I have to first explain a bit because uh, for those uh, CPS applications we mentioned, this, they are all in the standard network. They are not a mesh network. So we said we build a, a network with 50 devices. This is to evaluate the performance of uh, the, uh, the protocol we designed. So we didn't use a mesh network topology in the CPS application. So for example, uh, as I just mentioned, the smart shoe project, this is one hop communication, four sensors and one activators. Uh, for the cyber-physical avatar project, uh, we basically we have uh, one gateway access point, and then we have one receiver we installed on the robot. So basically this is uh, it's, it's also a star network. So what we are building for those CPS is, uh, is a preliminary version of uh, our technology for the protocol. But uh, we wanted to, uh, to validate uh, whether the time synchronization, because for our network, time synchronization is everything. It's a top one uh, priority. So for that aspect, uh, we focus on validating the time synchronization of the network. So there are different uh, purposes. Uh, and also for the, you are right, for, because uh, you said uh, in this kind of network, the topology is changing, right? So, but um, currently, uh, what we are designing for the network uh, uh, management mechanism is mostly based on the static uh, network topology. We do have uh, network topology change, but the standard process for us is, for example, if the device uh, leaves the network, then once it joins the network, it has to rejoin into the network. So go through this uh, joining process, then the network manager will know that, okay, we have one device joined to the network, and then we have the single strength, uh, because uh, once it joins your network, it has to send the single strength to the device, uh, to, the sorry, to the network manager. Then the network manager knows the current uh, network topology, and then based on it, it can assign, uh, how, decide how to do the routing. Basically, it's incremental routing, because we, we change the network to uh, uh, join the devices into a network, and then do the corresponding uh, link allocation. We do, uh, we are uh, studying the problem, see, if we're in a more dynamic network, how we can change the uh, network uh, topology, how to change the configuration for routing and scheduling in a dynamic way, that could be a more difficult problem. So we are still working on it. So especially, for example, if we have some card in the network, basically the network is totally down, then how we can do it. So the current way is, okay, we have to uh, change the configuration for all the devices in the network, which is uh, obviously it's not very efficient, so we are still working on it. Yeah. Those kind of uh, control variables, you know, type control, say you have a factory, and then you must install some very expensive money to 
and you know, nobody else is really aware of it. What do you mean? They can stay here and bring up the chemistry. Uh, but they're different so kinds of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Both kinds are very simple. Yeah, he's talking about the topology changes. Yeah. Robots walking around, robots walking around means topology changes. Uh, yeah, so currently because... Really, the network is found in your robotic cell. Uh, that wasn't clear, the way it was described yeah. in the yeah. pictures, yeah. robots walking around, yeah. airports or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is just the imagination for the uh, airport. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but we think, uh, we, we do find some uh, robots uh, in uh, Japan. So yeah, they have this kind of a robot in the... But I think they are using different technologies. We didn't look into the details. Yes. Do you have any result about the lifetime of the network? Uh, for example, lifetime, do you have any... Oh, so this is based on the battery, because uh, you have a different batteries than the uh, power consumption is different. So we used... Uh, uh, so we, we have some uh, very uh, commercial battery. So it's, uh, I think it's a uh, solid battery or something. I don't know the details, but uh, it can last uh, 10 years. 10. It can 10 years, yes. So this is... Uh, Incredible. I, I don't know why, but uh, they can have those kind of a battery. It's, it's very expensive. It's uh, 500 US dollars, I think, or 1,000 US dollars. If I didn't have to eat for 10 years, I'd buy one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it also depends on the sampling rate of the sensor. If uh, you sample those kind of like uh, every one day, I mean, definitely the, the power saving will be much better. If you sample like every 10 milliseconds, I don't think they can last for 10 years. That's, uh, that's ridiculous. But for us, uh, I'm sorry, for us, we use the two AA battery. They can last uh, two weeks, uh, three weeks. Yeah. Yes, yes. But, but I was asking because of the marketing that we have defined. I, I don't see any sleeping periods in the... In the oh, we do have the sleeping period because uh, yeah. now it's a TDMA based. So every time uh, we know, because it has, it, it has knowledge which link it is idle, which link is transmission, which link is uh, received. So every time it goes to the idle link, we, we, we turn off the radio. And because we have the uh, accurate crystal, so we know that at which time we wanted to get up. So in those kind of idle slots, we will turn off. But, but currently, we are just, just using the dove mode. We don't, don't use the deep sleep. Because in the deep sleep, we have to do the resynchronization. This is uh, unacceptable to us. So, uh, so I think our current uh, power, I mean, energy saving performance is not very good for two reasons. One is we don't use the deep sleep. The second is, uh, uh, the chips we are using, we are using the free scale chip, uh, it has a bad reputation for the power saving. So <laughs> this is a platform, uh, uh, we think it's an ideal platform for us in terms of the results, the MCU, in, uh, in terms of the uh, memory, the RAM, the flash, it's ideal for us. But the power saving performance is not good, uh, not good for us. So I talked with Tianjin, so we are using, we are porting our code to another platform, uh, it's called uh, Energy Micro. So, which uh, according to the data sheet, it has a very good uh, energy performance for the MCU. So, but we, we are not sure about the radio chip now. So, this is the things we have to invest in. Yeah. Okay. Uh,